Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Peter Rutzler. Welcome to 2018, and the second half of the Ligue 1 season is on the horizon. But that can only mean two things have happened so far. Transfers and some cup upsets. Uh, but before all of that, here are our latest headlines, where I will pre-warn you that I will butcher some French town's pronunciations. So I, I, I immediately apologise. <laughs> um, the Coupe de France round of 64 got underway this weekend with some shocks taking place, but none bigger than fourth-tier Granville, who knocked out Bordeaux with a 2-1 win. Les Girondins finished the game with eight men after three late red cards, saw Jocelyn Govanek's team unravel against the Giant Killers, who made the quarterfinals a few years ago, if you can remember. Ligue 2 side Sochaux thumped Amiens 6-0, completed the only other real big upset of the weekend, but a fair few Ligue 1 sides left it late. Uh, Montpellier required penalties to see off fifth-tier side Pontalier, uh, Trois, managed to just one goal in a victory against FC Still, the lowest-ranked side that were still in the competition, as Mets eventually sought off a stubborn Dunkirk in a 4-2 win. Monaco were briefly troubled by Jujure, winning before winning 5-2. Uh, Marseille snuck past second-tier side Valenciennes 1-0, while Lyon scored in added time to beat Nancy 3-2. In the next round, the Minnows mainly avoided big name opposition with National side, well, National Three side, apologies, Canet getting the only real plum tie at home against Caen. Uh, Ligue 2 sides Auxerre and Bourges-en-Bresse have games away to Nantes and at home to Toulouse, respectively. But the tie of the round has to be Monaco hosting Lyon in a big clash. During the midweek, yesterday and today, there has also been Coupe de la Ligue action, with uh, Monaco beating bitter rivals Nice 2-1 yesterday, thanks to goals from Tomé Lemar and Adama Diakabe. In games from earlier today, Rennes won 4-2, thanks to a double from Adrian Unu, as well as a surprise goal from a former Arsenal player in Yaya Sanogo. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain snuck past Amiens 2-0 with a ne uh, Neymar penalty and Adrian Rabiot with Regis Gutner sent off in the first half for the home side. And Montpellier are in the next round after they scored in the final five minutes against Angers, thanks to Isaac Mbenze. And that's all for your latest headlines. Uh, remember to step with everything French football news. Head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. It's the perfect time for it, especially transfer season coming. Uh, we start this week with the cup matches. And where else really can you start this with Grand V, who are true giant slayers they seem to be, <laughs> with another huge win in the Coupe de France. Uh, this time, it, dispatching finally the Gern opposition in Bordeaux. Rich, the real question that emanates from this for us League On fans especially, um, other than it being a great cup shot, one of those great moments, but is this now the end of Jocelyn Govanek as manager of Bordeaux? Uh, I, I think from I think from our, our point of view, look at, looking from outside to, to, to within the club, 
yeah, it, it would it would seem that that seems to be the only way forward. I think for Bordeaux, um, you know, as much as Gorvanek is a likable character from by so many people, um, things just aren't working for for whatever reason. Things just aren't working. Um, the noises though that that Stefan Martin, the the Bordeaux president, is making um, seems to indicate that he's willing to give um, Gorvanek a bit more time. Uh, whether that means he's going to be fund giving him a little bit of money and, and funding a uh, a transfer window where they can actually strengthen this squad in the areas and there's so many areas that they do need to strengthen. Um, because I'd have thought if they were going to be um, getting rid of him, he'd have gone by now. You know, you look at that that December where they didn't win a single game. They, you know, they they well they scored two goals across five games. Um, it, it's just not good enough. You know, I mean, we're used to Bordeaux underperforming. It seems to be their, their trait over the last few years. Well, this is, you know, alarming form, really. Um, and, you know, it pains me to say it, but Gorvanek has to take a, a huge chunk of responsibility for that. You know, on the face of it, they had a pretty successful transfer window in the summer. They brought in some, some good, solid... Uh, league and players, and yeah, those league and, you know, those good solid league and players have let let Gorvanek down slightly. But you know, the, the manager has to share the blame. I and mean, unfortunately, in those situations, the manager is the one that will will sort of cop the um, the, the the sack. Um, I think my my main concern though was that you know you've got a Bordeaux side who'd had such a horrible um, end to the year. You know that this was a this was a game. Where they could come out, they could start 2018 positive, get a good, comfortable, solid win, professional performance against a, a team um, three divisions below them. Um, and they just didn't turn up. They just all lost their heads. Three sendings off, completely inexcusable. Um, I mean, I've, I've gone on record to say that I think the players want him out. That can be the only explanation for a performance like that. You know, these are not. These are not bad players, but this is this is you know, completely unacceptable. Um, and you know, if it's a case now that Gorvanek has lost the players, has lost the dressing room, sadly for him, there is only one way that this will end up. It's an it's an unbelievable statement. I mean, looking back through the game, Bordeaux were up early on through Unison Kari, then Sabli sent off after two bookings, really, just with five minutes left, and they couldn't hold on. Uh, Martinez scored in the final moment, sending it into extra time as we do in the French Cup or the, or the, uh, the FA Cup, which I do want to maybe, maybe come on to later. But then another sending off uh, sort of in 102 minutes just before the penalty. It was actually for the penalty that, that Granville uh, scored for the winner and Palacil sent off in the final few minutes. I, I can't remember the last game I saw with three sendings off. But uh, Peter, I want to relate this moment in Bordeaux really to to an English side that have had a, a couple of troubles recently and that's a bit uh, Stoke City um, they went on a really poor run uh, and then culminated really in a in a really poor result in the FA Cup against a side much further down the league uh, ladder than them this seems like almost the same scenario but effectively it looks like at the moment at least that Govanek is is still in a job do you think do you think that's the right thing it's it's an interesting one I, I don't it's questionable where Bordeaux want to go with this um, because you're looking at a situation where like you mentioned Stoke I mean with Stoke as soon as straight after the defeat Hughes was gone and 
I think for many people that was long overdue and you can you can look back to, to last season and just how terrible they were. I think there's, there's only like four or five sides that actually beat on the road in the last year or something horrific like that. So, but bringing back to, to Bordeaux, it, it, you're looking, we're now in the January transfer window and, and plainly the thinking of Martin is that, okay, we've had a bad end to, the, to 2017. Things have fallen off a cliff a little bit. 2018, as Rich was saying, new start, clean slate, you know, we'll go again. Um, but <laughs> the, the manner of the defeat in, in this instance, as you, as you outlined with the three red cards late on, uh, is really, really concerning. It's clearly a complete lack of discipline. And yeah, maybe, maybe as Rich saying, that they don't want to play for Gorbanek anymore, which is, which is a sad thing to say. But we're now in January, and obviously it's the January transfer window. It's probably the most crucial part in the season, especially for sides who are looking at uh, turning their form around. I'm a Nottingham Forest fan, and for us, our owners decided to get, to get rid of Mark Warburton uh, before the window, as purely because of the transfer window, and they didn't, didn't back him. Um, and whether you agree with that or not, it doesn't matter. At least the new manager has got that time frame. What you're looking at now with Bordeaux is they're going into 2018. They've come off this shocking defeat, and it will be a hammer blow. They're, they're on the back of four league defeats in a row anyway. They, <laughs> they don't replace him now. You, you let it roll on and on and on. And suddenly you've got potential to lose some, your, your key asset, Malcolm, which who is the man that their whole team revolves around. Um, when he plays um, moderately well, Bordeaux do okay. Um, and if he goes, and I, I strongly suspect he might, you know, especially off the back of the defeat, then you know, you, you're in real trouble. And then especially if you replace Gorvanek after the window, and then you're looking downwards rather than upwards. And it's a, it's a, it's a shocking turn of events. But, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting how Bordeaux are playing this. Clearly they want to support him, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, skeptical that this is the right decision. Mm, yeah, it feels like they may be hanging on to something that's not quite there anymore. And and all credit to Granvier for for the superb result in their history. And they, they have a right little cup pedigree. I remember a couple of years ago. I think they got to a yeah, they got to. I mentioned it in the news. They got to a quarter final against Marseille a few years ago. They've got an excellent cup pedigree, and it's it really was a bit disappointing last time that they didn't really get a a big league and scalp, and now they finally really claimed one. Um, another really impressive result, you would say, um, Rich was uh, Sochaux's incredible. Thumping of uh, Amiens. I mean, they're they're a former league side, but they've been in that second tier for a while. But looking at this squad, really for Amiens, does it look like they maybe threw this one away purposely to focus on the league? I mean, I'm looking at the names, and here I'm looking at even the goalkeeper Boué, uh, Fafana, Bogard, Dibassi, Fenepe. It's it, it. They all look like it's more the the second string side, and they they were just accepting that this one really they needed to just get this one out of the way and focus back on league and matters. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was a severely weakened team. Um, uh, you can only say rightfully so for, you know, and I mean, no disrespect in here, but for a side like Amiens, their goal is to stay in league. You know, they're, they've got no, asp- you know, no real aspirations of winning, you know, the, the domestic cups. It's stay in Liga, and that would that would be an unbelievable achievement um, from where they've come and, and and what they have really in in the top flight. Um, saying that, you know, these are still you know, professional players. This is not a team that should have lost six nil to a league this side. Um, so, you know, questions have to be asked there. Fortunately, 
you know, it's not going to be, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the first teams, or it wasn't a significant number of first teamers. That hopefully won't allow that negative feeling to creep into the team. Um, that a you know a hammering is going to give anyway, let alone you know in, in such a an upset as that. Um, so yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it was a wise move. Um, you know, they have to protect their main interests. Um, if that means you know throwing away uh, you know a cut run, then then so be it. But there's still no way that side should have lost six 0 yeah, it was a really uh, disappointing result is probably the best way to put it really more than anything. I mean, another really interesting game, really. I know it didn't really um, end in a positive result for a smaller side, but again, Montpellier, Peter, really struggled against a, a fifth-tier side, really, which is a great result for them. I mean, they, it was one all for, for the from 60 minutes onwards. Pedro Mendes was sent off for Montpellier as well, and it eventually led to that penalty shootout that they did win. But it's a, it's a strong side from Montpellier. They, looking at the team sheet again, there's no real moments where you're looking at that team. I mean, the Lecomte started, Aguiar, Congre, Mendes, Lan, Ikone, Shkiri. This is all their main first team. They're, they're expecting to maybe walk this, but that's a really great result. And maybe a worrying sign that Montpellier rise to the occasion against these big sides that they have this season, but really, really shrunk themselves to someone who's 40 years below them. Well, as the cliche goes, it's, it's the magic of the cup, isn't it? Um, no, with, um, yeah, no, I agree. You would expect them to, to, to run over sides um, substantially lower themselves, but they weren't the only side to struggle. I mean, Trois struggled and against uh, FC, is it FC Steel, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, so low down that I can't even find what division they're playing. Yeah, they are, right. they're just, just so you know, they're the eighth tier. <laughs> yeah, I was trying all night to try and find where they played. I tried a good half an hour and I could not find the division. Eighth tier, yeah, unbelievable stuff. And I think it was something like the 75th minute that Twa got the only goal yeah. of the game. Uh, Benjamin Nive, wasn't it? It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so you um, looked at that, but I, th I think with um, first game back necessarily after the winter break, you can make those kind of excuses. You know, it's a cup game. You, you want them to do well and, and, and sides will, will park the bus in the most extreme way possible. They'll be glad to have made it through. And to be honest, I don't think they would have minded if they, they dropped out. I mean, they're doing well, obviously, in the Coupe de la Ligue, which we'll talk about. They've made it to the semi-final. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things you expect with, with cup competitions and I mean, they did field a very, very strong side, as you outlined. Um, uh, but, yeah, they'll be very glad to to have snuck through. Yeah, I mean, there's a few that will be happy that they, they missed some real uh, sli slippery moments, shall we say. I mean, it will, I'm looking at Mets. It was 2-1 for a while. It, it They didn't really pull away from that one until the final sort of 15 minutes. Uh, you look at Monaco's game as well, and that went from... 1-0 to 1-1 to 2-1 to 2-2 at half-time as well. It wasn't really all going their way um, for long parts of that against Jeu. Uh, and it's, it's, you look at Le Mans as well against Lille. It was 2-0 it was to Lille at one point and then it went back to 2-2. It was a bit topsy-turvy, that one. Again, Lille didn't score the fourth until the last minute. That, it's a good showing that a lot of these teams really put in a great display. And I, I'm really looking forward to the next round because a few of them are playing each other really which is which is strange i mean a lot of the sides lower down the uh, 
the ladder of sort of facing each other while Liga and sides like Monaco, Leon, that we're, we're seeing are facing each other, which gives us a, them a great chance to maybe get a real nicer plum time in the next round, should they should they progress. But the, the one question I wanted to mention on this, because we, we do talk about the uh, the French Cup fairly off, well, when it does, when this round does pop around, and it obviously matches up with the, the other big cup that happens around this time, and that's the FA Cup. I, I always really get interested, Rich, that in the French Cup, they always play extra time. And it, obviously in the FA Cup, they go for the money spinning, as they call it, um, well, play, uh, replay. Um, hard question. Which do you prefer? Um, if I'm perfectly honest, I do. I do like the way. Just you know, it's it's done on the day. You know, it's ninety minutes. It's thirty minutes extra time. Penalty shootout done. I, I I quite like that. You know, that means when we have these draws, we have definitive draws. Um, I, I think I prefer it that way. You know, replays can have all the the sort of romanticism to them of. You know, a small side going to, you know, having their, 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 you know, payday of going away to, you know, Old Trafford or somewhere like that, or, you know, bringing the big scene back to their, you know, small ground, you know, really fiery atmosphere. But uh, for me, I would go with that. It's, it's, it's quite nice. I think having it done and dusted in the, in the one, in the one day. That's the thing, isn't it, Peter? I mean, we, a lot of people are trying to think of other ways to to cut the English schedule, and that's possibly one of them. But it, it's that thing of: do you want it played on that one day where you've maybe already got that big team on on a on a tough day, similar to like Nottingham Forest did against Arsenal this this weekend, where they they've got them on the ropes. If that had gone to a draw, playing in the men extra time might have given them an extra. It will give give them extra time to finish it off the same time as, as teams like uh, Wigan Bournemouth as well that ended in a, ended in a draw actually that one um, but then at the same time some of these other teams you maybe look at like uh, Pontalier imagine if they had got a replay against Montpellier and got to play in their ground which is you know earns them a lot of money in the in the end run from from sponsorships and possibly uh, TV deals which do you th- side on I mean it's it's a good question because there's positives to both isn't there yeah, there's definitely positives for both. And I, I completely agree about wanting to get it done. And it never looks nice when you've got a fixture list of, oh, it's either or. And I get that. And as you were saying, you know, you, you, can, you can get it to extra time and think, oh, we can finish them off now. Um, I'm the complete opposite, though. I do like the replay just purely in the way that it helps the lower league clubs. Um, that, the opportunity to go to, to some of those major grounds and to get 50% of the gate receipts, it, it's such a... A massive boost, and I think it's important for, in, in the English game especially, developing the lower leagues and and uh, helping clubs financially. I mean, the one example I think of is, is Cambridge United when they played um, Man United, and when they went to uh, Old Trafford in the replay, what that did financially for the club was was monumental. I mean, it, it secured their position financially. Uh, it's allowed them to invest in the training facilities, look at a new stadium. And I mean, it was only one game, but that at that level, the the amount of income they got was was important. I think later on it becomes more relevant, but yeah, absolutely. And it, you want to get them out of the way. <laughs> and thank God the days of a replay final are gone. That that sounds dreadful, but um, yeah. But I think the lower rounds definitely, it's it's definitely got a place for me. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I I get that uh, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, it's supporting. I suppose a bigger club. I quite like getting the smaller teams in the cup, not because I'm going, oh, it's an easy round for them. I'm thinking, 
yes, you get that game that you've always dreamed of. You go for that. I really, I really love the small bits of the cup. To the to the next cup that's been taking place uh, the last couple of uh, nights, at least. Anyway, in the Coupe de la Ligue, it's the quarter-final stage and some really intriguing games. I mean, I'll start with the, the Ren game for you, Rich, um, obviously because you would have been watching. It was a, probably the most entertaining game of the round, really. I mean, it, it was a little bit tops and turvy. It looked like that Toulouse was maybe uh, going to come back into it at one point, but then eventually Ren, uh, Ren saw them off in, in an excellent win that sees them into a semi-final of a cup. Uh, yeah, especially after the events of Sunday night, uh, where they were they were absolutely butchered by by PSG in the Coupe de France, uh, losing six one at home. Um, you know, I mean, I would caveat that that you know, if you've got a side who can play a, a, a slightly weakened formation and, and you know, by weakened it means bringing in Angel Di Maria, then you know, there's there's a there's a case to be made that that's not really a weakened side, but. Um, it, you know, I think it was important for Ren to to get this win. Um, you know, they've got a big game coming up at the weekend um, against Marseille. Um, yeah, they want to make sure that they carry on. Okay, they lost the last two games of, of the of twenty seventeen, but they they were against PSG and Monaco. Prior to that, they'd gone on a little little decent spell of form, and were looking like they were starting to turn a corner now under Lamouchi. Um, so it was important to get the year off to a good start. Okay, it got off to an absolutely disastrous start in the PSG game, but it was important then that you know this this was a much more winnable game. I don't think even the most fans thought they were going to beat PSG on Sunday night. I do think though that, that you know looking at Toulouse and the the torrid form that they've been in the league, this was a game that they had to win. Yeah, they made a little bit of hard work of it, but they still played some really good football. Um, and yeah, they did leave it a little bit late. Um, but it was nice to see Adriano with the, with two late goals. Um, you know, he's a player that's sort of been there or thereabouts. As you know, is he actually any good? He's you know one of these youngsters that's come through the academy, been out on several fairly successful loan spells. Never quite cut it though with Ren. Um, you know, there's a lot of fans who've got on his back. Um, credit to him that he's he's not let that affect him. He comes out and when he, you know. When he plays, he always gives the absolute maximum effort, and look sometimes lacks. But you, you can't ask for, you know, if he's if he's going to put in everything, then you know, that's 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 all we can ask for. So it's really good to see him get those goals. Um, we are awaiting the uh, the semi final draw, which I think is is imminent. In fact, I tell a lie, has literally just been drawn. And uh, okay, yeah, it's not good news for Ren. <laughs> Ren, Ren, Ren have been drawn at home yet again to PSG, hmm. um, and, and, Mon- and Monaco drawn at home to Montpellier. Um, I think you'd have got uh, pretty short odds on on PSG and Monaco being kept apart in that semi final draw, and and so it's proved. But um, yeah, perhaps not the not the, the greatest of rewards for, for Ren, but um, it was a good win ultimately. Yeah, take any chance you've got. It's a home tie against Paris Saint-Germain. They've got a lot of games left in this season. They're still in three other competitions. You, you never know. You've got to take them as you throw. The, the other side that we've already mentioned, obviously, as well, in Monaco, it, it was a really interesting derby again against Nisa, Peter, and a, and a good result for Monaco to keep them in this cup and a, a nice draw as well, potentially against Montpellier, although they have caused them problems this season in that, that 1-1 draw. Um 
do you think that, that Monaco's now with the results they're starting to get, they're slowly starting to build? I mean, they, <laughs> I mean, Thomas Lamar's not putting any of those rumours uh, to rest by scoring within the first three minutes, is he? No, definitely not. Um, didn't have to do much for the goal either, to be fair. He just uh, had her at the back post. Also, yeah, they were, they were, they were impressive with uh, Monaco. Um, no Falcao. Um, and they, they didn't seem to worry about him too much. It was uh, defensively that... Uh, they impressed me the most. Um, Jemison put in a really good display, which is really good for him. I mean, he's come under quite a bit of criticism towards the back end of, of, of last year um, in a defence that has been quite leaky. Uh, and I felt he did well. Um, made a fantastic block to, to block Alessandro player early on. Um, and in the end, they, they were gifted the goal, so they didn't necessarily have to work too hard offensively. I mean, the Lamar goal... Uh, Burnley, who's playing at fullback for, for Nice, was caught out. Second goal was a good finish from uh, the former Renman Diacabe. So, um, yeah, they, they did well. I was actually quite impressed with Nice as well, really, um, apart from defensively, which they're just all over the place. Um, we've, <laughs> we've talked about how bad they've been defensively last, uh, in last year towards the back end, and they have recovered slightly. And I think we saw that in, their, in the way they, they went forward in, in this game, but at the back is what cost them. But it was uh, John Surrey, especially for me, who stood up for, for Nice. Um, sitting deep, really running the game. Um, both wingers pushed out wide. It was Shlaffy and uh, San Maxima uh, against the former club. And both of them were very, very effective. Um, I think on another day, they could easily have taken the points. I think Lise Malou missed an absolute sitter in the second half. So, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a, it's a comfortable win for Monaco. Building back up that that bit of a uh, bit of steam, and I think they'll take the confidence from the defensive display as much as as much as going forward and going into the the season. Obviously, no European football now, so they'll they'll want to do well in cup competitions and and challenge PSG. And yeah, and I'm, I wouldn't bet against a, a PSG Monaco final, unfortunately. For Rich, yeah. <laughs> it feels like I, I'm sure many people will shout the word rigged, but um, there's obviously a more of a chance that Monaco and PSG will be apart than uh, facing each other. But um, interesting to say the least that two comp- competitions. I, I do love when we get to this stage of the season when we we start having one forming the final, we start building up the nice cup upsets and the other ones as well. It's a, an exciting time of the season, but another. It's exciting part of the season for everyone, especially those who love Twitter, at least, is the January transfer window. It always means transfers in January. So we'll look at three prominent rumours that have been going around first before diving into some deals in Liga that have been completed. Uh, let's start with the man I mentioned briefly while, uh, while Peter was talking there in Thomas Lamar. Um, Rich, do we think he goes this window? There's rumours that he could be a replacement for Sanchez at Arsenal, a potential replacement for Coutinho, or at least the likes of Coutinho at Liverpool. Um, do you think a move will be pulled off in this window? Um, I'm beginning to think yes. Start of the start of the, the you know a week or so ago, I was thinking you know no, I think Monaco will stand firm on this one. You know he's he's had a he's not had his greatest first half to the season. Um, injury has played a, a, a not too insignificant part for that. Um, but I thought, well, look, you know, getting you know, he's back to full fitness now, playing like we know that he can, give him, you know, the rest of the season, maximise the amount that you're going to get for him, sell him in the summer. Maybe even see what, you know, hold on until see what happens after the World Cup. Um uh, and Monaco were making all the noises that, that they were going to be doing that as well. You know, there was no these 
you know, these quotes coming out, you know, there's no big sales that happen in January. And, you know, Lamar's sort of pretty, pretty black and white that Lamar was not going to go. And all of a sudden we're now seeing a slight change in that rhetoric. We're starting to hear now that, you know, Jardim is, is being put into these phrases now that just all of a sudden give you a reason just to have a little bit of doubt as to, you know, well, they mean that, but actually do they mean something? Maybe we're just all reading too much into it. But I'm starting to think that, you know, this this Lamar from leaving Monaco will, will happen this window. You know, we now know Liverpool have an absolute stack of cash waiting to be invested in a player. They're a creative player down. Um, we know Arsenal look pretty set to be losing Sanchez this transfer window. They're going to be in the need for a creative player. Um, there's rumours of Chelsea having interest as well. I'm beginning to think it will happen. Um, you know, I think Monaco have, have been pretty clear what they expect as a minimum bid, um, be it that 90 million mark. Um, we now know that clubs are going to be paying that. You know, it, it was not that, not that long ago at all that 90 million just seemed a crazy number, but all of a sudden, you know, anybody seems to be able to spend that. So I think it will happen. Um, I really don't know where to, though. I really don't. That's that's a question that's up in the air because you can make cases for and against all three of those clubs that I just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, it felt like in the summer that it might go, but it, it felt that after that it would stay for the entirety of the season. But then there's rumours coming out, as we've reported a, a couple of days ago, that Monaco were at least considering the bids, thinking that, Lamar's not going to sign a new contract with anything and, and the money they would get now from a potential deal might trump what they might be able to get in the summer given that players teams might be a little more reluctant to spend that amount. But at the same time, we've seen players go for ridiculous amounts like Mbappe who could maybe have waited out and then gone for cheaper. But Peter, do you, do you think if he does move, it is a wise move to make at this time of the season? Or do you think that, if for his own sake at least anyway, um, it might be better to hold off into the summer and then integrate um, after the World Cup? Yeah, I think the World Cup's a really key consideration. and I'm glad you mentioned it because I think the problem if he does move now is he's got to integrate very quickly to the Premier League and then we're assuming he goes to the Premier League. It looks like he might. Um, if, he would have to acclimatise exceptionally quickly and from what we've seen, um, Bakayoko has really struggled at Chelsea. Um, we've seen the old glimmer, but at the moment, it doesn't look like he's found the right position. He hasn't settled properly. Um, he's struggling with the pace of the game a little bit. Uh, and also Bernardo Silva, I mean, he hasn't featured as much as uh, he probably would like. And I mean, it's not exactly easy in that Manchester City squad. But uh, he himself hasn't lit the division alight. Uh, for Lamar, in a, in a French squad that is as competitive as it is, He's gambling a little bit. Um, I think from a Monaco perspective, you know, as you said, I think they may want to cash in. They're not in Europe, so he loses that financial value of those high-profile games that can, you know, that, that do win, win over supporters. I think Mbappe's transfer fee undoubtedly increased exponentially from his, his European form. Uh, so he won't get that with Lamar, and so they may be thinking, okay, we may, we may lose out some cash. So... Maybe we have a club B player the other way around <laughs> to the summer. But um, I think Lamar will have to think really carefully about what he wants to do. I think personally it's the wrong decision at this point. I do think he 
should go in the summer and after the World Cup. But I think with that on the horizon, it will play a key, key role. Hmm. I, I think, I, I, go ahead, Rich. I think the one thing just to note on this is Lamar seems an incredibly level-headed player. Um, you know, we it's, it's sort of lack of social media activity is is well documented. You know, he's got an Instagram page, but that's pretty rarely updated. Um, you know, there's no there's no Twitter presence. There's I'm not sure if there's a Facebook presence, but he keeps a very very um, he's quite low key in terms of his his um, appearances off the pitch. But he does seem a very switched on individual. Always works hard. This just does not strike anybody as the kind of player that's going to kick up any kind of fuss if Monaco decide, you know what, you're not going to go in January. He will just knuckle that. You know, he, we saw the disappointment, I think, that there was going to be disappointment that he didn't get a move last summer. You know, those bids came in but did come in very, very late. Um, he'd have been disappointed not to have gone, bearing in mind all the players that he saw leave before him. But, you know, he didn't let that affect him. You know, got you know, got playing, picked up a knock, unfortunately. But he's he's got such a, a great character to him that you know it's not going to it's not going to impact Monaco if they keep him. You know, almost I don't want to say against his will because it, almost if, if they don't sell him this January, they're not um, they're not going to be getting a you know a stroppy player or a player that's gonna that's gonna cause problems on or off the pitch. Mm, yeah, uh, what I would like to say in this one, and it, it, it is a lot of money being talked about here, and there's a fair few players starting to go for those sort of benchmarks, 75, 80, 90 million. Um, out of all of them, and it, and it might sound strange, but I th- I would worry a little bit if Thomas Lamar's going for that amount. I'm not trying to diminish his talents or what he's achieved so far, but out of those sort of players that have gone for those that benchmark so far, I'm thinking... Coutinho, obviously, uh, Dembele, Mbappe, they have gone for quite a bit more. But I'm thinking of also uh, Pogba and, and, to a lesser extent, possibly Lukaku, although he's not really impressed to that fee quite as much as some would have hoped him to, at least. Anyway, just as a word of caution, uh, that it, I don't worry that the fee would weigh heavily on him. My point would possibly be that I think that that fee might give the press and the fans too much of an expectation of an immediate impact mm. they would see from him, given the fact that, for example, they bought Mohamed Salah in the summer for 40 million euros and he's scored an ungodly amount of goals for them. Um, I, I, I do fear that for that amount, we might too, expect too much too soon from him if he does come to the Premier League um, in this January transfer window. What I do say is, while he, you have to pay what you have to pay nowadays, it, I don't think price matters anymore, really, in a sense that clubs pay what other clubs ask them to pay. But I hope that people give him the time to settle a little bit, um, especially if he's coming in the middle of a season, especially if he's thinking that he's got to work hard towards a, a World Cup year and he might make some mistakes. He might not quite stand out as much as he has in Liga and in the past. Um, I hope that he is given a little bit of time. Um, another couple... Uh, player rumoured for Premier League um, outings and, and it has been for a while now is uh, Malcolm and uh, Peter he's a, he's a terrific player um, he's maybe had a, a slightly lesser impressive sort of last couple of months given Bordeaux's general downturn but do you think that a move to the likes of somewhere like Tottenham are linked uh, Arsenal as well again and Manchester United as well do you think a move to one of those clubs will be the right kind of move for him because I, I was thinking about this the other day thinking of, of Players Tottenham's have signed in the in the past in Clinton and G and and um, 
uh, and Kulu as well, who's obviously gone on loan to Burnley this week as well. Um, sometimes they maybe buy these players from Ligue 1 a little bit too early and then they don't get to play. But is that maybe still a worry with a player like Malcolm, given that the teams he's linked to, he would maybe be not quite straight away into the starting eleven. Yeah, I don't think he would get straight into the starting eleven. I think it's a real shame that Bordeaux crashed out of European football so early when they went out to Videoton. Because uh, it would have been nice to see how he would perform against different types of teams and potentially stronger sides than uh, than the outfits we've seen him play in, in Liga. I mean, the thing with Malcolm is quite clearly he's got immense talent. But over the last couple of months, he has drifted in and out of form. He then pops up with a 40-yarder that no one's expecting like he did against Dijon. So I think is a move to a big, big club like like your United or your Spurs or... or or your Arsenal, is that, is that the right move at this point? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I'm quite sceptical of anyone moving in January, really. So, um, But I think if he does join a club like that, um, he will have to consider, again, we're talking about the same arguments about adaptability and whether he's going to get the time to do that. He, he won't be a regular player. No, I can't see that happening. Unless, of course, say he goes to Arsenal and they, they've shipped out both Ozil and Sanchez and... I mean, anyone need Arsenal need anyone they can get really, but um, he's clearly got the immense talent. It's just, but it's difficult to assess because we haven't seen it necessarily against the, the bigger sides. I think if he were, the thing is, you'd want to say, well, you should give it more time with Bordeaux, but Bordeaux look like they're falling off a cliff at this point. So maybe it would be good just to jump ship. Um, I just don't think that jump should be so high. But then again, you know, he, he quite clearly has a talent and, and can prove us all wrong. Um, but like the examples you gave, I think Tovan's another one of, of moving too soon, which is what he said himself. And quite clearly, he's got incredible talent. Um, it's just make, making that move at the wrong time can set you back a couple of years, uh, and, and Malcolm will have to consider that. But he's clearly got the, the ability. So you know, if he does make the move, I wouldn't back against him failing entirely, but I wouldn't want him to move at this point. Yeah. It feels almost a little bit rich, like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, he's at a club that's going backwards and is is really fighting against their manager and looks like it's going nowhere this season. But the clubs that he's looking to be sold to are probably looking at him, at least in the short term, as a squad player. And maybe that might stunt some of the growth he's had this season. What do you think's best for him at the moment? I mean, it's, it's a really tricky decision, but should the Brazilian stay or should he go? You're right, it is tricky. I think in an ideal world, what I'd like to have seen is we know he's got the talent. I think what we've, we can all agree is that he's, first of all, not playing in a good team at the minute. And second of all, I don't quite think he's hit that level of consistency, which, as Peter said, would, would mean that he would become a, a starter at those huge, big, big you know, super clubs that he's been linked to. I would, I would pr- much prefer to have, have seen him move to a... An intermediate intermediate club, and, and perhaps the fans won't like me saying this, but a club like Lyon, for example, I would much rather have seen him in, in move to a, a team like that, where he's going to be playing in a good team, he's going to have European football, continue to have the, the big exposure, but it will allow him to develop, it will allow him um, to, you know, sort of get him back on track, I think, to what that potential can be. Um, sadly, that's a move that's now not going to happen. You know, you've got these, these these teams like Manchester United and Arsenal coming in. Bordeaux know, right, OK, well, we can ask for 
we'll, we'll set the starting price at 40 million. Well, that immediately rules Leon out. Um, uh, and to be honest, that rules out any side in, in league and by the top, you know, the, the, the big two at the top. So that ideal situation isn't going to happen. So we can forget that now. So is, you know, back to the question, it's, it's does he stay with Bordeaux or does he leave and, and have a bit of a risk? I think show the character, stick with Bordeaux for the rest of the season. Um, you know, he's still, he's still got a, a, you know, time on his contract. It's not like Bordeaux going to be losing out on any money. Um, so, show that you know what i can be a a big character i can play um well consistently in a underperforming team um and let him you know, let him let him show these big clubs what he's actually got you know that he's got a bit of fight in him as well as all these wonderful tricks and you know screamers that he, he's, he's scoring this season so it's going to be tough for him because ultimately i do think he will leave but I think for him, if he was to think long term, I think stay at Bordeaux, you know, show that you've got some real guts um, and then, yeah, then get your move then um, in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking as we were talking then, I mean, there's another club that I, I would have liked to have seen him go to and, and they were mentioned in the summer and that's Borussia Dortmund. He might be a really interesting addition to their young squad there and possibly would walk straight into that team. Not necessarily, obviously, but he would be part of that squad. And, and another one I, I just thought of as well and follow me a little bit on this one, but it does require one move at least happening and that's if Thomas Lamar was to leave Monaco. What greater replacement than someone like Malcolm, who can then maybe grow, stay in league on in a great side that's going to get Champions League football on a regular basis, or so you would think. Um, gives him a couple of more years maybe there if he, he's, he's got good enough wages there that will convince him that he doesn't have to straight away jump to, to the English league. And then maybe in a couple of years, then if he continues to show the level he showed there, he'll be a, a revelation, maybe even in one year really, given how some of the players have done at Monaco recently. That might be the right kind of middle step to go to the next level, possibly. I think that he he kind of still needs that for me compared to some of, some of the other players that have made a straight leap. I mean, I feel he's maybe more of a Usman Dembele type of needing that extra little step before the ginormous step, uh, other than someone like Mbappe, who, who obviously leapt off the page uh, straight away. Um, final one, really, of, of players that look like they might be going to a Premier League side or at least leaving Liga is Lucas. Now, um, this is a really interesting one, really, because he, he's obviously been on the very, very fringes of the PSG squad last season, but he was decent first periods last uh, the season before. I mean, um, there's a couple of big-name clubs, supposedly, and for him, like, Man again, Manchester United, these names, England pop up again. But there's other teams as well. Um, a couple of others in France, in fact, have inquired about loan deals, uh, not being one of them as well, and, and they're um, Valdemir Kierte, um talking about it as well um, in a press conference as well, thinking that he, he would be interested. But PSG look more likely for a permanent move and also the Brazilian doesn't quite fancy a, a lone move to a league on side. What what a strange turn of events that just sounds like it. Um but Rich it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because again, he's had a he's on the fringes of a good team. He's not going to walk into a side like Manchester United or, or Tottenham or something like that in the form that he's currently in, um or the form that he's shown in France really um for the entirety of his career here. Um 
would something like a loan as risky as it could be um, be an interesting option to revitalise his career? I think it has to be. Um, I think a loan is, is surely the most sensible option. He obviously wants to stay in the limelight with a big club, be that PSG or another. You know, are you going to get another big club taking a punt on, I think it's 40 million that PSG have set the asking price for. Are you going to get a club that are willing to put that money on a player who's barely played this season? Um, has really struggled for consistency, I think, in his certainly throughout his, his, his time with PSG. Um, for me, a six-month loan spell within Liga is for him, for him is a no-brainer. Um, you know, go out to a club. Yeah, you're going to have to. You know, it's going to be a bit of a a, a hit on your um, you know on your ego, maybe that you, you're going to have to do this. But this is for the good of your career. He's still he's still you know ever so slightly on the younger side. He's still got plenty of years left in him. Think think longer term. You know, there's there's a there's still a good career I think to be gotten out of of him. Um, so a, a loan move is is an abs- is the absolute way to go. Um, I could perhaps see why he was a little more hesitant with Nantes. You know, perhaps they don't play the kind of football that that him. But I can't believe that Nantes would be the only side that would look at taking him on loan. And I could think of plenty of other teams who would love to have him in their side. So. A loan spell for me would be the obvious one, but it just doesn't seem like it's the one that's going to happen because I think Lucas himself, well, throughout throughout the uh, the lead up to the transfer window, was adamant he didn't want to leave. Um, now all of a sudden, you know, there's a sniff of another big team with the, with the likes of Manchester United interested. Now he's changing his tune a little bit, and we'll look at that. But I just don't know what team would look at taking a forty million punt on him. Considering his lack of lack of playing time, yeah, and that, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the real crux of this, Peter, is PSG are desperate to sell players really in this window if they can to try and recover some of the enormous amount that they wasted. <laughs> what not, wasted is the wrong word. I shouldn't use that um, in the summer, at least, and, and the outlay they will have to make in the summer um, following that as well, with Mbappe's deal uh, being confirmed and everything like that. So they're really pushing hard for this deal. They've set a really high bench watermark as well of around 40 million euros reportedly as well which is uh, crazy surely Paris Saint-Germain should be coming to their senses and realizing that no one's going to pay that amount for Lucas at the moment yeah and everyone knows that they they need to sell I think they're as you said that the bottom line is they do need to bring in players because um for one obviously the financial fair play thing is is relatively murky but you know there's talk of them backdating their night deal um which has raised more revenue and whatever but the reality of the base figures from what everyone can assume is that they have to sell and that's why they've set his price so high and that's why the loan deal is not going to happen. But as Rich pointed out, like who's going to take a punt on him? He's featured intermittently. Um, clearly he's a talented player, but to spend 40 million euros on him, I mean, after such an extended period of not playing, it's, you know, it's... it's well, I, know the transfer, I know the transfer market has perhaps changed slightly um, since last summer, but yeah, you mentioned him before, uh, Nathan. Is, is Salah? You know, he's he's going to he's a bit of a benchmark, I think. Now, of well, look, this is the kind of player you can get for that kind of money. Uh, yeah, okay, he might be having a bit of a freak season, but you know, he's still a quality player. Is going to get I don't know how many goals come the end of the season, how many assists come the end of the season. A benchmark has been set, 
for which now nearly all other big value signings into the Premier League are going to be measured. Um, and it's it's going to be the downfall, I think, of many players. And I think you're right to touch on that it, it could be something that, you know, Lamar becomes the unfortunate victim of. Um, but, you know, you put on paper 40 million for, for Lucas Moore or 40 million for, for Salah. You know, there's, there's only one winner there. Um, so 40 million, just it's almost like PSG are trying to force him into the loan of, well, we're going to set you at a ridiculous price that no club's going to buy. So if you want to play, we'll send you out online. It's interesting you say that. It's like we're in the middle of a, a sort of a transfer bubble, which is what a lot of people suspected might happen. And PSG are desperate to make sure that they sort of recoup that recoup enough money from this bubble, which they've made, well, mainly created themselves. And then you do get suddenly, oh, well, I can get these, I can get a Salah for this price, or uh, for, well, I can get thirty million, and, and suddenly the value for money perspective changes, and then suddenly you're left with, oh, wait, hold on, financial fair play, or someone like Lamar, as you said, is suddenly caught. Uh, between in the headlights, almost you know, he's 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 the man exposed. So there is that sort of element to it. But I definitely think with 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 Lucas, he's one of the players that they've clearly earmarked to to go, um, and they want money for him. Um, and Pastore probably is another one, judging from recent events. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 as you were saying, Rich, like it's got to be a loan, hasn't it? Really. I mean, I, I think that's the perfect solution, really. I mean, you are definitely not going to get 40 million euros for Lucas at this moment in time. That is impossible. I think if he has a loan move, maybe not to a not, but I'm thinking maybe a Marseille or maybe um, a Bundesliga team or a La Liga team might take him on, off their hands or potentially a Premier League team, although he might have to sort of settle for maybe a, an Everton or something like that. Um if he has a great six months, all of a sudden his price skyrockets again, or at least the interest does, especially if he is in somewhere like the Premier League. Say he has a good six months for Everton, scores five goals, creates five assists. Everyone in the Premier League wants to buy him now. They've got that's the league with all the money. Um, why not try something like that and see if that increases his value? You're just not going to get the price that they're, they're hoping for at the moment, at least anyway. Um, let's talk about some deals that have been completed. And there, there has been a few at least, but there's a few coming out, a few going the other way um i want to start with um well one interesting one that will be for premier league fans at least anyway and that's terence congolo who has gone on loan from monaco peter what do you think to the deal for the dutchman i mean he's really played for um a monaco side that haven't really got much cover at center back so it's and he is he can play right back but he uh, he has played more center back for recently when he was at, at Feyenoord as well with them having such little cover and so willing to let him go out on loan to Huddersfield, is that maybe a concern to the to the uh, Terriers fans? Uh, I guess it could be a concern to the Terriers fans, but I think they're they're getting a good player. Uh, he, yeah, he's been played a lot of fullback as well at Monaco, and as you said, he for me he's always been a centre half. Um, I think the Premier League is good grounding for him. I think in terms of a player's perspective, the, the move will be a good one. Um, it's a good way of, uh, you know, uh, the, the Premier League's defensive aspects and it, the pace of the game will do him the world of good, especially when he returns in a year's time. But when you do consider the fact that, that Monaco do need to bring someone in, you have to question, well, maybe they must have someone lined up, someone in mind to, to bring in, because we, we've questioned before about the vulnerabilities that they've had, you know, when, apart from Camel Glick, uh, Raji just doesn't look to be adequate cover anymore. Jemison's form's dipped. Um, 
fullback, Sadibi's back, but is he strong enough defensively? George has done okay. I think they're, 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 that youthfulness and that, that vulner those vulnerabilities need to be addressed. And Congolo, perhaps as soon as a, maybe a much longer term solution. Um, I don't know. I think for the player, it's a good move. Um, for Monica, I'll be interested to see what they do in the rest of the window uh, to almost you know, uh, validate the decision to let him go. Especially if they get another injury at centre-half, then you, you're in real trouble. Yeah, it's a really worrisome one, really. I mean, they have to have something lined up, surely. It's a, it seems a little bit crazy. It's here. Um, the one I wanted to mention for you, Rich, um, is an interesting one for, for League 1 fans, at least anyway, but he's been linked with some big teams, and that's uh, Zidian Matash, who was on loan at, at Marseille last season for a brief period of time. Came back to Toulouse. We maybe expected him to integrate back in. That's not really happened. He has been uh, released as his contract ended in uh, in January. He's been linked with clubs like Napoli as well in Italy, which is, would be a, a great move for him. But he he's, he's always seemed like the player with great talent, but he's never really quite found his niche. And also, he seems to maybe have a bit of a, a tempestuous side, shall we say, that he seems to um, maybe not get on with some of the managers he's had. Is that maybe what's held him back from really being a star in Liga and that he could have been? Oh, without a doubt. Um, there's, there's definite temperament and attitude issues there. Um, you know, it's almost the curse of the first name um, that he was you know, destined to uh, perhaps underwhelm. Um, there's there's talent there. Um, we've seen it in the you know, very very small glimpses um, at Toulouse and, and even fewer at Marseille. There's talent there. You just need a manager, I think, that can mould him, that can you know perhaps be a bit of a firm hand with him. Um, you know, I, I've seen the the, the rumours linking into Napoli. You know what? Maybe that's 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 what's needed. You know, I, I I sort of said that that maybe attitude was a little bit of a problem with Adam Unas at Bordeaux. He got the move to Napoli, and you know, seems to be getting things under control a little bit. So maybe that kind of move it appeals to the ego of him that you know it's a big big team, whilst also it's moving to a big team that are going to keep him in check and, and get him refocused on actually, you know what, let's get the most out of this potential that you've got. So um, he's a gamble. He's a definite gamble, but at 22, he's still got, you know, plenty of years ahead of him. Um, so I'd be interested to see where he ends up because as I say, there's, there's talent there, but there's some hard work I think needed from, from um, coaching staff of whatever club he joins. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Napoli took on Adam Umas as well, who's not really played too much, but another that maybe had a, a little bit of a... Uh, I think it's always difficult to say attitude problem when it's only really things that you've maybe heard second-hand out of a club. I think that's a little bit unfair to players, but those little bits and bobs, maybe that's the right club for him, but is he really a starter in a club that's that good or even maybe even a first option off the bench? Not really, if you think about it, which is maybe the worry about his career, really. Um, let's talk about... Well, I, I'll finish our really outgoing ones that Wesley Schneider's left uh, Liga um, all tears were shed and everything like that because he's headed to, he's headed to, uh, to Dubai and fair enough for him it'd be a good wage and a nice uh, nice living there but he's barely featured for Nice he's not really played well he's maybe had one good game um, but yeah enjoy uh, your well, quote unquote retirement uh, Wesley Schneider I hope you enjoy it in, uh, in nice sunny Dubai I don't think anyone's uh, begrudging you that um, some interesting deals at least 
that have gone through for league and clubs. Uh, I wanted to start with uh, this one with you, Rich, if I could, uh, and that's a uh, Julian uh, Julian Palmieri going to Mets. Um, they've brought in a few, well, a couple of players already, um, but they needed some extra reinforcements. And and Palmieri um, was excellent. A Bastier had a, a bit of a strange time, shall we say, at Lille is maybe the best way to put it, um, but uh, a solid signing. A very solid signing. Um, you know, he's going to slot into a an extremely experienced defence now that Mets will have. Um, you know, Ibisevac, they've got um, Falu Diana, who's now got you know, a couple of league and behind him. It's a very, very solid defence. Um, it's certainly a long way from being the quickest defence, uh, but it's, it's going to be very, very solid. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from Palmieri. You're going to get, um, you know, hundred percent effort. You're going to get the odd rash challenge. You may get the odd spectacular goal, um, but you're going to get a player who's going to give it his all. And and that's the kind of player I think that Mets need. There's two, I think there's two kind of players that Mets need. Certainly, that kind of player is one. They're still going to, I think, in need of a, a bit of a creative spark. Um, but no, as you say, very very solid signing. Yeah, and another one that's, I think, an interesting one, at least. Anyway, he, he did some excellent moments in the championship, Peter, and that's uh, Umbakoto, who's, who's back in Liga, well, in French football, at least, as he's moved to Gangomp, who who needed maybe a little bit of an extra firepower up front. Um, it, they've maybe gone off the boil recently, at least. Anyway, they, they sort of got back on it just before the winter break, but he maybe adds that extra attacking depth that they maybe missed. I mean, they've got Brion, they've got Coco, who's maybe not been as good um, as we maybe hoped he had been a, a few seasons ago. And it just gives them an extra edge, doesn't it? Yeah, and it improves competition a little bit. I think a number of the young youngsters they've got in there, your Cocos of this world, have underperformed a little bit. They've been a bit lukewarm. Um, so I think it'll, it'll provide some good competition. It, it showed glimpses at QPR, but it didn't really, didn't really take off for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Obviously, he, he left Mets a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, he's joining a team that uh, they've got a good manager in Comboare, so he, he will certainly look to get the best out of him. Um, with experience up there, up front, with, with, with Brios, it will certainly help him out as well. Uh, Gangoff, they quietly moved up to eighth. So, you know, they slowly sort of to get into a little bit of form. But I, I was, when I saw that, I was wondering what, if that could mean something for Saliba or unless he's now settled, unless he's planning another deadline day drama. But um, no, I, don't, I think it, it's a good move for him and it's the right club to, to sort of get yourself back on, on the right track and, and, and find a, some consistency. Mm, absolutely. And, and another final interesting signing that's gone through so far, and that's uh, Maite from um, Monaco going on loan to Bordeaux. And, 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 He's not really had a chance at, at Monaco, really, uh, at the moment, at least, anyway. Um, but it's the kind of player Bordeaux need. I mean, we've mentioned a few times that they don't really have a, a great midfield. They need to add things to there and change some ideas. And maybe taking someone like Maite on loan um, as a defensive midfielder or a more defensive-minded midfielder, at least, uh, might give them something extra in that position that they've been missing when you think of Varda and, and uh, and uh, Sankare being more box-to-box players, maybe having someone better at sitting and, and shielding that weak, weak defence uh, might just be able to help them a little bit. And uh, one that's catched my eye that I, I've not... It's at least it's been a, be an interesting one, at least, is um, 
Stavitsky, who's gone to uh, Caen, a right winger, 18 years old, a Finnish uh, youngster um, from Finnish football as well. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that Caen maybe needs some some wide players and, and looking at some of the things that I've, I've seen on uh, some scouting stuff, he looks like a, an interesting sign for them. A nice quick player. I don't know exactly how we will fit into that side and, and whether he will be a starter necessarily, but it's great to see uh, young players come into the league and, and great to see that uh, Connor trying to fix some areas that they uh, they may be weakest at at the moment. Um, we'll finish this week um, with a very quick league on snapshots and it's our transfer special. So what I've asked of both Rich and Peter this week is to think of a transfer you'd like to see in or out of league on and I'll ask them to be as creative as they can. Um, so I'll start with you, Rich. Uh, what's your league on snapshot transfer special? Oh, I've got... I'm a bit of a pain. I've got three... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I've got um, I've got two. Um, I've got uh, Jerome Roussillon to Monaco. He's been heavily linked now for a while. Um, he's been confirmed that he doesn't want to basically continue playing with Montpellier. We know what a quality left back he is. Um, I think Monaco are in need of cover there. I think it's a move that's going to work out for everybody um, if that comes off. So I'd like to see that one happen. In desperate need of goals. Um, we're 19 games down and they've scored 12. Um, so I'd like to call. I'd like them to look at calling upon um, the 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 ever reliable to get you out of trouble. Shake the Abate um, to come and spearhead that attack. Um, and then the final one is a double header because I think it looks like they're going to potentially be moving to possibly the same team, and that's the uh, the league in returns of Paul George and Tep and Jan and Villa. Um, Paul George and Tep not had a good good time with with Wolfsburg. Jan and Villa is, has had an even more torrid time in Russia with Ruben Kazan um, without pay for God knows how long now. So both of those I think are angling for moves. Saint-Étienne seem heavily linked with both. Nice as well have linked with Intep. So I'd love to see them back as much as it pains me that they wouldn't be for Ren. Peter, how about yourself? Uh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple that to do with Ren actually. Um, Richmond Boyakia, I mean, he's been linked with, with Chelsea, but also with Ren. So I, I only noticed that uh, the other day, but it'd be great to see him make a move. Another young player with a lot of potential. Uh, he's playing in Serbia at the moment for, for, uh, for Belgrade. So that'd be a great move, I think, to join uh, Ren in the centre of the park. Uh, another one would be Batshuayi. Um, as he's been linked with a number of clubs to, to to leave Chelsea, and he just hasn't worked, and he's not going to get the games under Conte. He's just not interested. I think it'd be great to get him back in Liga. Full stop. Um, I think potentially Ren would be a good option up front. Uh, and the other one uh, that I was going to mention was Issa uh, Jock. It'd be nice to see him leave to lose his sinking ship uh, for pastures new, and maybe potentially uh, Monaco could be an option as a young backup uh, defender. So those are my three, my trio. Mm, my, my selections are, uh, one's a little bit left field and one's probably everyone expects this one, uh, at least from myself, at least. Anyway, um, first one, I would like to see Alban Lafont move to uh, Monaco. I, I think he's ready now, even though he's only still 18, which is absolutely insane to think. I think he turns 19 in February, which is... Insanity. He's played 80 league on games. It's frightening. He is a young man. Um, he's, I think he'll be an excellent player for Monaco. I think he's 
they're probably ready for a, a player to come in behind um, Subasic. I know they've also got uh, Diego Benaglio as well as their current sort of backup goalkeeper, but they're both in their mid-30s. Subasic has made some terrible mistakes this season, especially I remember against that in that Trois game where they maybe got a little bit lucky to run away with a with a 3-2 victory in the end. But I, I really like Lafont. I think that's the ideal club for him to go to, um, to take on that next step, given that, um, he's maybe not ready for a really big leap yet. Um, maybe play three or four, maybe even five years at Monaco because I mean he's that young. He would. It's tra- crazy to think that he could play five years at Monaco and he would still only be a big 20, 23, 24, which is insanity for a goalkeeper. He, he's going to be around for a long time and that would be a great club to do it at. And the other one, um, I'm going back to your club, uh, Rich, for, for Ren. I think they should sign... Uh, what should be hashtag my boy, I think, at the moment, really, and Nicola de Preville. Um, they need a goal scorer. Um, who else best than someone? It's a sinking ship at Bordeaux. He's really not fit in there where they've not adjusted around him. Um, I think he'd be ideal for Rennes. The fans will love him. He's, he's got such a great work ethic. He's a great player with, with, with qualities, not just for goal scoring, but for creating as well. Can play out wide if they needed him too, as well. If they brought in extra strikers, can play as a number 10. Uh, perfect sort of player for that kind of club I always think um, that's all that we have time for this week uh, my thanks to Rich Peter and all of you listening at home um, there's no preview show this week obviously because of this uh, midweek show um, but we will be back next week and so will be the main show on its usual Monday slot at the same time and same place and next week Abianto and goodbye